Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of this podcast, Briefing from the Pivot. I'm your host, Halb, and this week we are gonna talk about the event that have shattered the world in the last couple of days. The fall of Kabul, the American embassy evacuated with helicopters. Every commentator have used the image of the fall of Saigon as a comparison to this defeat for the American pride. But it's really like that. It's correct the current narration of a defeat like Saigon. In my opinion, no. In this podcast, I want to talk about the difference between these two devastating defeats for the American foreign policy and national pride. How the Taliban achieved the victory on the ground. How the international situation accepted the swift victory of the Taliban. What was the context of the Saigon fell? What, what, what the comparison of the two defeats tell us about the public perception of the event in the US and abroad? In the second part, we're going to try to analyze the effect in the long run of this event and how this can shift the balance of power in the region in the years to come. But before we start, I want to add a couple of personal notes. First of all, this is the first time they ever recorded something and English it's not my main language. But I was feeling the necessity to open this show to a wider audience so can everyone from all corners of the world can share their experience and help us all try to contextualize and make sense to this crazy world in which we live. So I warn you, please be gentle with me. The second note. We're gonna do a dedicated episode to explain this project in the near future. But if I can summarize the context of this show in a phrase, well, that will be try to give it context in a world constantly reshaping itself. So, without anything else to add, let's dig in in the graveyard of Empire. The Afghan government fell in less than two weeks from the final push of the Taliban. How that happened? What is the key to keep the Taliban the upper end and allow a guerrilla force of 70,000 people defeat an army of 300,000 soldiers trained and equipped by America and conquer a country of 38 million people? First of all, we have to take in consideration the fact the practically all the American troops on the ground, except 2,500 support and training troops, had already evacuated the country, and with the, and with the agreement of last year, the direct conflict between Taliban and America was handed. In any way you organize the retreat of your troops from the country, Everyone who know a little bit about the country history and the failure of the American mission perfectly know what was going to happen. But nobody expect the speed of the fallout. An article of the New York Times by Mujib Marshall, sorry for the mispronunciation, of the June 2020, after the peace agreement, help us understand the strength of the Taliban insurgency. 
The whole situation, as, we, as I already told you, started with the peace process in February 2020, with the end of the fight against the American, the Taliban concentrated all their effort to prepare the offensive against the Kabul-based government. The latter didn't know how much psychologically was dependent on the presence of the American boots on the ground. The Taliban are organized between a central center of power, dislocated between Pakistan, Afghanistan and Doha, and various militia groups, semi-autonomous. The territory already conquered by the Taliban, the 65% of the countryside in the wake of the announced the retreat, were managed as a shadow government with the administration of justice, obviously, we're talking about Sharia law, and an economy based on the export of opium, producing 90% of the heroin globally produced. For comparison, in 2017, according to the Center for Strategic International Studies, $2 billion was export of drugs from Afghanistan. The decentralized system is the base for constant supply of manpower with a strange system of contract of part-time jihadi fighter that in period of the year are fighting for the cause, but after that, they can come back home. They do not receive any income for that, but all the expenses for transportation are paid by the organization. When we talk about Afghanistan, we talk especially, obviously, about Pashtun people, the majority ethnic group in Afghanistan and the group where the Taliban come from. Um, because through the 2 million Afghan refugees and the native um, Pashtun population of Afghanistan, the Taliban have always a safe base of operation and a great pool of people potentially loyal to the organization. The system of decentralization gives great emphasis and reward to the militia on the ground. For comparison, um, for reference, the rest of the territory that's conquered by Taliban, Taliban in some way are like divided in 20% go to the central Taliban council to organize all the aspects of the organization and the other 80% go to the militia on the ground to administrate the territory that they control. After the peace accord, the Taliban were reinvigorated after what can be described as probably the two more devastating year in terms of men killed on the ranks. And they know that the control of the government without the American umbrella was only nominal. And the army, well, the Afghan National Army, it's time to talk about it. The Afghan army, from its founding in the wake of the coalition invasion, has always been profoundly corrupted. In the numerous reports, uh, they will show the incompetence and the corruption and the failure of the Afghani army. Now, I just want to quote a couple of sources that is part of a report 
published by the Washington Post in late 2019, and now they are all part of the Afghanistan paper. First of all, tell us they weren't affected not because they are outgunned or outmanned, it's because they are useless as a security force and they are useless as a security force because they are corrupt down to the patrol level. Another quote from a service to train troops, Afghan troops had beautiful rifles but didn't know how to use them or could, could set up their private checkpoint and extort payment from travelers. And another quote say, I ask that why is it possible the large number of about 500 security forces cannot defeat 20 or 30 Taliban? The community elders replied that the security people are not there to defend the people and fight the Taliban, they are there to make money. That gives us an idea of why in the last couple of weeks the Afghan soldier didn't just stop fighting the Taliban, but they start panicking and retreat. Before they start retreat to Kabul and now everyone are for themselves. From the last time they checked the subreddit about the Afghan civil war, I, we have images and video, for example, of columns of troops and the alcohol retreating with the destination apparently the neighboring Iran. And with them, there are all the, equip- the American equipment shipped to Iran. When we say the irony, the last technique that the Taliban had utilized in their fight to reconquer the country, it's been break the willing of fight of the conscript army. From an article from Al Jazeera of mid-June 2021, we discovered that even before the last summer-spring campaign of 2021, the Taliban start offer. I'm sorry. The Taliban start offer to surrender Afghani soldiers an indemnity to pay the expenses to come back at their home and desert the army. But the tool that probably more than anything else had helped the Taliban to in, in Afghanistan as a, to reconquer Kabul and Afghanistan as a whole was probably their last diplomatic offensive in the last months and the acquiescence of the power in the era. For at least last year after the peace agreement, we can see Taliban leadership flying all around the world and start diplomatic talking with Moscow. And that we have episode in March and June 2021 with the promise in June 2021 that the new government is not going to hurt Moscow's interest in the region. In other words, it will not try to destabilize the Central Asian region. But especially in July 2021, the encounter in Tianjin Chinese Diplomatic Corps. There, the Chinese officials start talking with the Taliban as a de facto future government on social, security, and economic issues. The vicinity 
with the following uh, offensive gave the idea that Beiji was was in some way aware of the incumbent offensive that was already in a smaller scale in place. I want to reassure us of the Taliban not to try to support via the Wahan corridor. Sorry to mispronounce the Wahan corridor to the, that divided two states. Not try to support future Uyghur terrorist organization in the strategic region of the Xinjiang. The strategy of Beijing gave diplomatic legitimacy in the new post-American Middle East order for the Islamic Emirate of, of Afghanistan, that is the official name of the Taliban-led regime in Afghanistan. This thesis is supported by the fact that except for a reduction of scale of the diplomatic corps from Iran, China, Russia and other neighboring countries, plus Turkey, the erratic member of NATO, doesn't have plans to close their embassy in the country even after the regime change. The withdrawal, it has said, a humiliating ended of 20 years of war on terror. If you want to search really for the blame of this, the world it's a blame to Clinton that didn't take seriously the, the Al-Qaeda. It's a blame to the unilateral diplomatic posture of Bush, Cheney and Rumsfeld with the war of terror. It's the blame of the impossibility of Obama even um, to exit the country and to fulfill the pivot for ideological reason and because the administration doesn't have enough critical mass to give urgency to the retreat in the Middle East and the focus on East Asia that was uh, with, even with the Arab Spring and the rise of ISIS. That mistake of Bush of not starting an international manhunt but a full invasion of the country and then refocus in an invasion of Iraq cost more than 300,000 deaths in the country from 2001. So what's now in the region after the war of terror officially coming to an end? Probably the next week we can expect that neighboring Sunni countries like Pakistan and Turkey together with China and Russia will set to formally recognize the Taliban rule in Afghanistan. At the time of the recording, the Russian foreign minister already stated that Russia has established working contact with the representative of the new, of the new rule in Kabul. China makes a similar statement regarding that it's willing to develop friendly relations with the Afghanistan Taliban. The hopes of the Kremlin and Beijing is that the victorious Taliban, if they can keep together the country and doesn't descend in civil war, can stabilize the region in the years to come. For the USA, everything depends on the posture of the Biden administration to bouncing back the general backlash. 
as they stated yesterday on NBC. Probably the next month it's gonna be terrible for the president, it's gonna take a lot of blame, especially on the anniversary of 9-11. But if Biden managed to survive this political backlash, probably after this initial setback, the United States are gonna continue moving to the plan of the International Coalition of Democracy and the containment-like strategy against China with a foreign policy centered around human rights. For China, this is a clear strategic victory against the US-led world order. In particular, the intervention of uh, intervention in the country in the last months with the de facto recognition of the winning Taliban helped boost credibility for the Taliban as a serious force of government. The hope of the CCP is to use the Taliban to stabilize the region and protect their new order based on the Better Road Initiative. In that regard, there was during the talk in Tianjin in July already talk about the construction, for example, of copper mines in the country. So developing in Afghanistan to try to stabilize the country. Beijing furthermore wants to try to de-weaponize the Taliban in Pakistan, giving them Afghanistan. Because the survival and the integrity of Pakistan and with that of the Pakistan-Chinese economic corridor is fundamental for Chinese strategies. For example, for exit the cage of the Strait of Malacca. For the region as a whole, everything depends on how much the Taliban are going to stabilize the country, or if, after the victory, the British militia are going to restart the internal um, fighting that can descend in another civil war. The Iranian reaction is mixed. At the same time, this is a strategic victory because, the, uh, because the, they are expelling the Americans from the neighboring Afghanistan, but pose numerous questions about how the Ayatollah regime can handle an extremist state at its borders, especially if we keep in mind um, the Middle East Cold War that is happening in the region right now between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Don't worry, don't worry, I will cover that in a future episode, maybe the next one. The last, puzzle, the last piece of the puzzle is Pakistan, that, in my opinion, probably, it, even because it's one of the founding um, character of the Taliban, the Taliban, as we, uh, as we know, born in the Quranic school of Pakistan, they were child of Mujahideen fighting the Soviet in Pakistan. It's probably the country that's gonna suffer more from the support that they gave with the intelligence service to the Taliban. The million of Pashtun people in the country are clearly more affiliated to the Islamic group than to the country. So we will see if the Afghan Emirate will reunite a new proxy war to unite the Pashtun people with Pashtun chauvinism of the country. For this reason, we can explain why in the last couple of years, Pakistan su- um, diminished its support 
for the Taliban and why Islamabad construct an enormous fence wall to divide the two countries to try to stop the continuing in and out of people, arms and drugs between the Pashtun group of the two countries. All of this is in the future and I will gonna cover surely new development in the era. For today it's everything. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Again, be gentle with my speaking skills. If you liked the episode, consider subscribing to the post- podcast and leave a comment in the section on YouTube. Down below in the description, we can uh, you can see all the link of the article that I quote. In a couple of videos of podcasts that I found about Taliban rise and takeover, they I think it's interesting for people they are more interested about. Thank you for listening and see you next week for a new episode. I'm Al and this was Briefing from the Pivot. So, what's the matter with Vietnam? Why it's not so similar in this defeat with Vietnam? First of all, to get matters worse for Biden, the Vietnam War was ended for the Americans two years prior to the fall of the South Vietnamese regime. When the famous image of the evacuation of the embassy was taken, there was no American combat troop personnel in the country out, outside. With the policy of Vietnamization, Nixon achieved the retreat of the military personnel in Vietnam with the Paris Peace Accord of 1972. After that, the Saigon regime, equipped and trained by America, resisted for two years before the North Vietnamese army invaded and conquered Saigon in the fall of 1975. The two years Give America in that case and not here in Kabul. The tier here gave American breathing space to not take all the blame for the loss. After the peace deal, Nixon and Ford administration tried to achieve, in collaboration with China, a stabilization of the region against the Vietnamese expansion. The plans of the Vietnamese regime was to create an Indochinese federation. In particular, they work um, with the regime of Cambodia, but everything fell when, after the loss of Vietnam, the Congress vetoed against every intervention in Southeast Asia. The ironic aspect of all the Vietnam War is its aftermath in Asia. After repelling the American aggression and conquered the South, the unified socialist Vietnamese government started before a proxy and then a direct conflict with China in the 80s. And later in the 90s, started improving relations with the US, begging them as a counterbalance against China. So, if you want to know something from the fall of Saigon, it's that even the one of the most ideological moments of the post-World War II American history 
lost its symbolism when we start looking at the geopolitical facts on the ground. But the public perception of the lost was immense anyhow. The fall of Saigon started what it was called and still calling the Vietnamese syndrome that paralyzed U.S. foreign intervent and general foreign policy in the Ford and Carter administration. And that syndrome lasted at least until the Grenada intervention of 1983 during the Reagan administration, or more broadly, um, after the first Gulf War of 1991. Except for the partial um, stabilization of the Israel-Egypt relation in the Camp David Accord of 1978, American leader didn't intervene in this year in the Cold War, but just react. The classical example of this response uh, of America uh, was well, the Iranian Revolution of 1979, and the parallel Soviet invasion of Afghanistan on 1979. Looking closely to the narration of the two defeats, Kabul and Saigon, we can see a point of connection, and that is the public misconception of the blame. What I mean is that, in both cases, the blame was tossed against the wrong administration. The Nixon and Ford administration take the blame for the losing, and we can say that together with the Watergate scandal, that was one of the reasons for the democratic victory of Jimmy Carter in 1976. Even if the war was started during democratic administration, we can argue that the first training troop was during Eisenhower, but the first Uh, committed uh, troops was during the Kennedy and especially during the Lyndon Johnson year. The two Republican administration, with the help of Kissinger, tried to stop a war that was waged without a clear objective to achieve the victory. That is, because without conquering the North, you can never have the possibility of the victory in the South. But they can't invade the North because that probably can trigger a Korean War effect and make China intervene to not have a pro-US government at its border. Similar to that, Biden, as we see yesterday, he gave his speech to the American people and reinvigorated this concept. Biden fulfilled the promise of end the infinite war in Afghanistan the longest in American history. And we have to understand that his decision has a very strong public support. 70% of Americans from all the spectrum by the July poll was with the decision of the president, according to a poll from the Chicago Council. Biden, during the first speech about uh, retweet and even the speech of yesterday say something very important we cannot continue the cycle of extending or expanding our military presence in afghanistan hoping to create ideal condition to the withdrawal and expecting a different result 
there can never be a perfect condition for the retreat. The changes of the administration this moment have a greater scope, obviously. The thinking is you have to abandon Afghanistan and the war of terror if you want to shift the American foreign policy in the direction of the new big power competition in the Indo-Pacific. And if we look closely to the speech of yesterday night, yesterday night here in Europe, it's cited like China and Russia. So it's it's a part of the foreign policy. And this thesis is perfectly in the in, in the in the process of this shift of policy. Even with profound difference, this policy was started with Trump and had a natural continuation in the Biden administration. A point that I went to add, and it's very important, even if we are talking about politics in the region, and that we don't have to downplaying the humanitarian crisis and the risk that this debacle poses of the narration of the declining American power. NATO European Harley start questioning the decision of leaving. For example, Angela Merkel in Germany stated yesterday that only US domestic political consideration contribute to the withdrawal of Western forces from Afghanistan. That is a sign of discontent with the Allies. As I'm speaking, uh, it starts opening the scenario of a dramatic humanitarian and refugee crisis. I'm seeing just yesterday the images and the video from airport the struggle of the people of Kabul to try to flee the country for fear of retaliation from the Taliban. Everyone by now already see the video of the poor people that died, grabbed the airplane when it was taking off and falling from hundreds of meters. That crushed my heart. Last but not least, in the coming months, it's gonna be like a flood of refugees from the country. Everyone that is against the Taliban rule or that collaborated with foreign powers will, pub- will be probably considered a traitor. And so all these people will start trying when the airport is gonna close to flee Afghanistan from the neighboring country, to the neighboring country.